You're listening to Saluki Stories, the oral histories podcast from SIU's Morris Library. Saluki Stories features alumni experiences from the 1960s all the way up to recent graduates, detailing every aspect of being a Saluki from the past to the present. Go dogs! That's one thing I did learn when we were working for Wix Furniture, because I had stores on the East Coast and stores on the West Coast. Found further east you go, it's harder to make friends, but they're your friends for life. On the West Coast, it's very easy to make friends, but they never give you any substance of their, of their world before they came to California. They're transplanted, they want to forget everything else that happened before. I'm very fortunate because I experienced so many different things firsthand. And my spin on them is like, well, did it help me or did it hurt me? What I've mentioned in life now is that not everything I have done is lost. So to somehow put this in somebody's memory sharing those things as just a consideration. Hello, I'm John Pollux, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and your host for Saluki Stories. Today, we are listening to part two of Jerry Gelsomino's Saluki Story. This will be our final episode of the season. Jerry is a 1974 art and design graduate who chose to take on a self-determined major. In part one, we discuss Jerry's time on campus and his experiences as a Saluki. Today, we will be covering the adventures of Jerry's postgraduate life. Since graduating, Jerry created many opportunities for himself. He started off working for a furniture store in Chicago and went on to travel the world designing retail stores with his wife, Linda Kruger. Let's hear more from Jerry and dive right in. I you know, want to talk to you about what happened. So, where, so you left, tell me about your career. You left Carbondale, you went up to Chicago. When I went to Chicago, uh, I actually got my first job uh, out of college in, in Joliet. I worked for a wallpaper staff. I was, a, I was considered a commercial artist, graphic artist. My first job I got was doing covers for wallpaper sample books in Joliet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, it, was, it was okay, but it was pretty boring. Joliet was not a real hip place. Um, and so I wanted to be in, get into Chicago, and uh, I ended up interviewing with Saxon Payton Home Care Centers. But I uh, ended up being uh, invited to join their design and display department. And that was a great learning experience for me because I learned all about Chicago. I had a, a 72 Pinto that uh, I drove all around the city. You know, it's yeah. not going where it got the wrong place, wrong street, U-turns, whatever. Right. I, I, I maneuvered that city pretty well. Um, so I did that for about a year. And I really loved it. It was really a good game. But I wanted other opportunities. So, um, so then I interviewed for another display job with um, Wix Furniture out in Wheeling, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I got that job. And actually, I was at a single one because I was working for a guy who was head of the design department, and he decided to to quit. And I was going to quit too. And they said, "No, no, why don't you stay? We'll, we'll give you a promotion." So I stayed with Wix for six years doing display in all the stores all around the country. There was, there was stores in California, stores in New York, 
stores in North Carolina, uh, Detroit, Michigan. There's like 35 stores around the country. That's my exposure to traveling and flying all around the country. My first time that happened there. Then actually my wife and I met each other at a meeting of design display departments in, in Chicago. We started dating and we got married. And so we actually are very tied into the design and display industry. So we started, just after getting married, we started interviewing different design firms. My wife interviewed first with them and they really liked her. And she said, and they said, we want to hire you. So there's just one thing about my resume. I'm married now. I haven't updated my resume yet. My husband also does this kind of stuff. So they had me come to Columbus, Ohio. I interviewed with them and they hired me as well. That's the first time we started working together. There, very international. The company we're working with in Ohio wanted to open an office in Melbourne, Australia. They were offered to take my wife and I both and send us to Australia, set us up down there to start an office of the company. We decided, no, it's too far away. We don't want to do that. Well, that first time driving into Chicago in a snowstorm, I think, why am I doing this? Why aren't I going to Australia? Where it's yeah, warm all the time. That'll change your mind, won't it? So we reconsidered and we decided to take that opportunity. My wife and I moved to Australia. We started a firm. We had two, two years contract. We had about 16 people. Uh, we, we moved into an office. We hired people. We took on jobs. Did a lot of work in New Zealand. Actually, I had one of my clients was Kodak. I worked for them all throughout Australasia. And we did that for the two-year contract. And they actually wanted to bring us back to Ohio. So we don't want to go to Ohio. <laughs> Get it? We don't want to be in Ohio. They at one time talked about setting up us up, setting us up in uh, San Francisco, but they changed their mind on that. They said, no, we want you back in Ohio. Well, I got to find something else. So um, my wife and I interviewed with a company, uh, a guy who was visiting Hong Kong, and he had a firm in New York, a very well-known uh, department store design firm. And he hired Linda and was, had a wait and see for me. So we moved back to the United States, moved to New York. Uh, about two months after we were there, he found a need for me too. So he hired me as well. So once again, we were working in the same place again. And uh, we did that for two years. And then we were actually wanting to go uh, and, and see what other opportunities that were existing. He wanted to send us to, to London, to start an office for him in London. Well, we had a counter offer from a company in the United States who said, we know you guys only want to in California. How's it can join us to come to California? And you won't be head of the department. You'll be vice president of marketing, Jerry. And then we'll be head of design. So we decided to do that instead. We moved to California. Uh, we had a great boss out there who's still a very good friend of ours today, architect. Uh, and there we did a lot of work in the entertainment industry. At that time, the entertainment industry, people like Warner, Warner Brothers and, and Disney and uh, Six Flags, all these theme parks and so forth, wanted to have individual stores that were well thought out, well planned, well strategized. So we did a lot of work in the, in the entertainment business. Um, so, we, so we started doing those things. Actually, one of the most interesting ones we did was uh, we did two stores for the Hanna-Barbera company, you know, Flintstones and Jack Jensen's. Yeah. We did a store that was a collision of the two, with the Jetsons and the Flintstones. And all these mechanical pieces, mechanical arms and stones and ropes and, and videos and so forth. It was really quite fun. We actually met, um, we met uh, Johanna and Bill Barbera. Uh, so it was really kind of quite exciting. Like I said, we also did a lot of work in theme parks as well. Oh, wow. So it's like sort of a design and entertainment at the same. I mean, you're like a producer on something like that, right? Yes, yes.
we were there for uh, for four years, and the company, California, started with the sort of a recession there. They decided to close the office. We were actually going to think about going back to the Midwest. My wife and I said, "Wait a minute, we've been doing this for ourselves. You're marketing, she's design. We got the beginning of our own firm here." So we opened our own firm at that time. And then we then started doing more theme work, theme, theme park work, more entertainment work for Universal Studios, for Warner Brothers Studios, um, for Disney. It was quite quite fun. In fact, I'm watching, I've been watching the Disney Channel recently, and they had the history of the Disney parks. We were right in the middle of that in a lot of ways. We didn't, really? we didn't design the parks. We designed stores for some of those parks, some of those attractions. ESP, oh. ESPN Zone and... and um, and those, those other business that they were starting, the uh, Disney Quest, the virtual reality theme park that they designed. We did the stores for them in those in those parks. So it was really quite exciting time to be there. And um, it was really pretty special, pretty special. Oh, yeah, that sounds, yeah. I, I you know, I kind of noticed when they were, they were growing in all these, these places too. So that's, that's fascinating being that part of the thing, right? Yeah, well, even though we weren't employees of Disney, we got to see behind the scenes a lot of things that would go on behind the scenes. It was really quite exciting. I always I, I wanted to work for Disney. That would be my next step, but it didn't work out that way because we had our business yeah. that we were trying to create. So, so we actually ended up staying in California for 17 years um, and uh, loved it quite a bit. By the time we started, we had, a, we had a young son at the time. We thought, we're going to stay here in California. We're going to let him grow up somewhere else that's a little saner. Even though we love California, we loved, we lived in Santa Monica actually, so we love Santa Monica. It was a great. Story. Oh yeah. You know the weather never got around below sixty and above seventy. It was just perfect, perfect weather. In fact, our, our offices for the first three years of our company were in our backyard. We had two buildings, really? and had a little campus in our backyard. My wife had her building where her people were, and I had an office behind the garage where I worked with my people. So it was really very convenient. So we 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 take our son to school. We come back home and work in back house. Very idyllic. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, uh, so you started your own company. Yep. And what brought you to the Asia or Hong Kong? So I went to work for a firm who manufactured uh, graphics and signage for large retail concepts like I mentioned. Did that for three years. My wife continued to work with consultants firms and with uh, retailers from all around the world. She actually uh, was working with one major retailer who was based in Hong Kong, who was trying to build up their, their business internationally all around Asia. And the guy she was working with actually took a job higher up in the company. But he said, how would you like to come and take my position, Lynn? Come here to Hong Kong and be responsible for the design of all of our stores. Well, we thought about it. We thought, do we really want to do the international? And our son said, yeah. We wanted to go. <laughs> really? Really? So we decided to take it up. So we moved as a family to Hong Kong. We were there for six years. She did incredible stores all around Asia. She was traveling like crazy. Uh, I thought I was going to be able to find a retail job there, but I wasn't able to because I didn't have the background with a major retailer. So that was a big challenge. So actually, I went to a, um, a TED in India, TED, TED conference in India. And I met a couple, uh -huh. couple of professors there. When I got back to Hong Kong, they contacted me and they said, you know, we got some classes. We'd like, you got so much experience. We'd like you to teach these classes. So I taught um, branding, marketing, and globalization in one university and um, managing corporate reputation for another university in Hong Kong. 
So I did that for three years at both of those two schools. And it was really quite exciting because I was teaching, for the most part, Chinese students. All the languages, was, all the teaching was in English, so I didn't worry about that. Ah. Uh, I actually wanted to go back and get my doctorate when I was there, looking at the culture of, of shopping and retailing in Hong Kong. But I didn't have a, a partner who spoke Chinese who I could partner with, so that went out the window. Yeah. So um, we were in Hong Kong for six years. And it was just, my wife was, it was a very successful company and they were just, with success, they needed more and more success constantly. And it was just really burning her out. She was traveling yeah. so much. We had hardly ever saw her. So she said, I had enough after six years. After six years, we went, moved to, um, back to Indianapolis, to our home we had rented in Indianapolis. And then we moved up here because we wanted to be near her family who were back up here in Michigan. It's not for the weather that we're here. <laughs> yeah, right, no kidding. Um, it is cold and snowy right now. Yeah. But uh, we moved up here in a small little house and uh, we're settled in, we're still getting settled in and looking at what we want to maybe do with remodeling the house, making more of our, our, our way of living. But we're dealing with our first winter here as best we can. The sad thing is our son, who always was a Californian, he was born in California, loved California, went to school in California, went to school at USC, UC Davis. His first job he got was in um, with a company in um, uh, in San Francisco area, the Oakland area. And so we don't see him much. So that's the one sad thing. He's, he's living on the other side of the country. Yeah. Um, but we talk to him as, as often as we can on the telephone or by computer. So that's the biggest, saddest thing we have going on right now. Is, and, and with COVID, he's cut, locked down. You know, it's hard to socialize with anybody. He's not dating anybody. Yeah. He's got two roommates yeah. in the apartment. But uh, in fact, we were going to just go see him a year ago, just before COVID hit, we had our, had our tickets all bought and everything. We were going to see him and we had to put it on hold. But we're here now and, and uh, I'm, I'm not really consulting. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, like I said, the next step of retail, because I think I'm, I'm, I'm very focused on the physical retail store and the physical connection, the human connection you have with people. And while even, I, even, I have to say, I do a lot of shopping online for convenience because I can't get out like I used to. I think the real joy is shopping for entertainment so entertainment facts getting out and being in contact with people that's what's important i think it's going to yeah. still continue it's going to take a different form than it was than it is today but it'll, it'll still be there that's interesting i think you're really i mean that's there's so many things right now that that we're on the cusp of i think COVID has changed a lot of things and, and one, it makes people want, you know, the ease of buying online is terrific. But the other side of it is, like you said, is this need to be with people. And yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So you've done like, it, it seems like you created your own uh, major. And then you seem to have created your own kind of career by by taking advantage of things that interest you is that what you would say yeah, things that got me excited yeah yeah and also um my wife and i were very well known in the industry for a while there and people were calling we didn't do any marketing because people just knew who we were you know we we, we called in on projects because we know you guys what you do we know you, you've done in the past why don't you come and look at this project why don't you come and look at this work we were a very small office compared to most of the people in the industry. You know, most people were competing with had hundreds of people in their offices. 
Yeah. We had, they said the biggest we had ever in you know, Hong Kong, I mean, in Australia was 16, in, in California was six. Wow. And yet we competed with people from all over the world because we were very focused. When we got a client, they were our only client. Ah, I see. My, my wife is a tremendous designer and very responsible designer. One of the things they do in this business is focusing on how the merchandise is going to be shown, how much merchandise is on the floor, how it's turned, what kind of fixture is the best fixture for showing them merchandise. And that's what she's expert at, is knowing and understanding how design and the functional part of retail works so well. And for my part, marketing, I was marketing her. It was easy because she's such a talent. Sure. Yeah. 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 I felt, felt very comfortable with that. Never, I felt like we could compete, compete, compete against anybody. Wow. Impressive. That is really impressive. So let me ask you one, one last thing. If you were to, you know, if I were to bring in a whole bunch of uh, college students on this Zoom meeting, what would you, what advice would you give them to be, ex, to find success, to find a job, to? Well, I also was a pretty prolific public speaker in the past, not now, and also a writer. I wrote a lot of articles. I, I've got a, a book in, in the works that's probably never going to see the light of day because it just, it, it's, things have changed so much. But yeah. principles that I felt that I, that I saw work so often. Um, so there's, there's things that I used to teach people in, in, in lecturing as well as teaching in my teaching in world. Um, one thing is, it may, it may seem trite, but I think it's important. Have the biggest vocabulary you can. Find as many ways you can to say the same thing by using a different word. Because otherwise, like right now, my, my biggest pet peeve is the word literally. Right. Many times a day you hear people say literally. Yes. And they get stuck for another thing to say. Well, then get, get up in your thesaurus. I have five, five thesauruses. My public speaking and my, my, my writing always look for better ways or different ways of saying the same thing to keep people entertained, keep people from being bored. So that's one the first thing that comes to mind. Other, otherwise, is um, volunteer, get involved, be a participant. Don't just sit back and, and wait for things to come to you. But one of the things that bugged me about teaching in China. Chinese um, is their nature and their culture. Never challenge a professor, never challenge an instructor. Right. Um, and so you, you ask a question and nobody would raise their hands. Many people raise their hands to the guys from other parts of the world. I had a guy from India and a guy from, um, uh, from, uh, from Greece that was in my classes. They, they would always ask, raise their hands and answer questions. I said, I stopped calling on them because I wanted to get the guys from China to speak. But, um, you know, as you say, you know, the only way you learn is by, by making mistakes. So, so try to answer that question. Try to, try to solve that problem and be very vocal about it. And if you miss, great, you learn something from it. So putting yourself out there, trying an answer, trying to come up with a solution, being creative. That, that was one thing I, I love about California is they weren't, they weren't tied to tradition. So many other parts of the country, the, the, the legacies live on and stop you from being creative. Yeah. California... Everything was open. Everything was possibility. And I love that about California. And I, I, missed, I mean, living in Indiana for probably a total of six years, I learned it didn't exist in Indiana. We'll see if it exists in Michigan or not. But it definitely existed in California. The, the, the drive to survive, drive to succeed, drive to, to do something good from anyone who's done before, be creative, be inventive. I saw that in California every day. It was loony, 
it was loony and loopy sometimes, but it was fun. It was fun. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. It was great to talk to you, my friend. And we hope you all will join us this fall for season three of Saluki Stories. We will be working hard over the summer to bring new tales of Saluki alumni to this podcast. This has been John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale and your host for Saluki Stories. Our production would not have been made possible without the contributions of Assistant Professor of Practice of Radio and Audio Media, Jennifer Pape, Student Editor-Producer, Mallory Andre, and our music production team of Austin Davis and Dakota Holden. Go dogs! <laughs>